Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. In some cases, it doesn't matter what you do, just do something. Because if you don't do anything, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. At least if you, it's a little bit like an autopilot, at least if you do something and it's the wrong direction, you'll correct it. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Tony Hughes. Tony's the owner and CEO of Huthway International, an international training provider and behavioural change specialist that helps organisations transform their sales and negotiation outcomes by helping them to permanently change the behaviour of their teams. In 2010, Tony was presented with the inaugural ISM Lifetime Achievement Award at the British Excellence in Sales and Marketing Awards. Tony joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Tony. It's great to have you with us. You're welcome, Amy. It's nice to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about Huthwaite as an organisation and what you're working towards, please? Huthwaite is um, uh, what used to be called a training company, but nowadays has lots of different names. But if you were searching for it, you'd search for a training business, mm-hmm. mainly um, in interpersonal skills, but very context specific interpersonal skills like sales, negotiations, leadership skills, uh, meeting skills. Started 40, no, 45, 46 years ago um, and developed a measurement system for looking or listening as to, as to how people talk to each other, being able to identify certain things that people say. Mm-hmm. And then if you, if you pick a context or a role and you can and you can watch enough people who are successful doing those things, you can build a behavioural profile and then do what we do and go and teach other people those profiles. Fascinating, fascinating. So you've been at the helm now for just over 32 years, almost 33 years? Uh, yeah, 1998. I yeah. uh, had the honour of taking over the business. Fantastic, fantastic. And so as a leader of that kind of organisation, I know Pathway's gone through a bit of a transition post-COVID because the, the obviously the world of work has changed massively, so you guys have transitioned as well. But as a leader of an organisation like that, having just come through COVID, what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment? Um, well, very much the same as many other businesses, really. And, and uh, I think one word sums up most of the issues that we and other businesses have, and that's uncertainty. Mm-hmm. There's such an uncertainty in, in the way that the, the world's going. We all know the issues with um, inflation and the war, et cetera. Um, but, but I think coming out of COVID, a lot of businesses made assumptions about how work would return. Mm-hmm. They knew it wouldn't return the same, the same way it did. But we, and I think many other businesses, made an assumption that it might be 50-50 working at home, et cetera, as one example. And I don't think it is. I think, it, I think the world has changed massively in, in people's um, way that they work and their expectations of work, their expectations of what employers um, want from them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the thing that's gone out the window entirely is that one size fits all. You know, everybody yeah, would sort of, knowledge workers certainly wouldn't yeah. bring you to Friday nine to five and that's out the window entirely, yeah. isn't it? It seems to be. Yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, the, the strange things for me, and I, I'd have to admit the same as most of the businesses, is you, during COVID, you had to trust what people were doing because they weren't there. And then it, and then it kind of made you realise that you, you probably should have trusted people a lot more for a long time before that because certainly our productivity went up and, yeah. uh, and, and, day, and sickness rates went down, as they do in most companies. And, and it's been, personally, I think it's been a great way to work. 
and we see and we've got people who we've got people who employ in different parts of the world mm-hmm. they now feel more part of the team than they ever did because wow. they have more meetings with people now than they ever did yeah. so and see people socially as well we have a social interaction every month or either by zoom um and it works really well works really well fantastic and how's that impacted your culture then has the culture do you feel like the culture's changed in the organization um it's a funny word culture really because culture is really for us it's really made up of um, people's behaviors and attitudes and if you get enough people with the same behavior and the same attitudes you get a culture i don't think ours has changed that much in that in that in that respect i think people still speak to each other the way they did they still respect each other the way they did um, so in that sense, I wouldn't say no. It's changed the culture. I think it's probably um, it's it's probably as it was. Um, it okay. just operates in a different sense. I think. Okay. In in what way? In, in the way that people communicate? Do you mean? Yes. Or? Yeah. Well, one simple example. My 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 PA used to manage my diary, and mm-hmm. people would go to my PA to try and find a, a, a meeting slot with me. Yeah. Now, now they press a button. and and if I'm available I'm there and if I'm not available I'm not there and then they try and find a slot in the diary so so that kind of thing's changed and uh, uh, for the better definitely for the better okay brilliant and and can you tell us a bit about your journey into leadership I used to be a teacher and I used to teach PE maths and physics and um, outdoor pursuits okay it was a strange journey to get to where I am so so tell me, tell me about that journey then. So was okay. it was it always yeah. going to be the case that you were sat on the chief exec seat, or did it happen because you found other ways? I, 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 I always thought I was destined for greater things when I was a teacher, but I would, I would okay. <laughs> might be with hindsight. No, I, I actually used to teach um, a ski instructor during the school holidays, and a person that was a um, director of Huthway, I was teaching him to ski, and he asked if I'd ever thought of coming out of teaching and doing what he did. And after a while, I thought it seems like a pretty good idea. And um, and when you think about what we do at Huthway, we we have some behavioural models that we teach other people to to adopt. Mm -hmm. That's what you do as a sports coach or or even outdoors. You have certain ways of doing things, but yet you want to take the the skills of the person that they've got at the moment and change them slightly to do do things slightly better, Uh relatively to a best practice model. And yeah. so, so I started with Earthway as a trainer and then after two or three years was selling more business than most of the consultants were, um, they made me to a business group manager and then I did a management buyout started in 1997, I think. Okay. And we, we completed buyout in 1998. And, um, and uh, you know, there were four of us and um, it sounds like this is a made-up story, but it isn't. We, we were sat there in the boardroom before... The buyout completed and mm-hmm. I went off to the toilet. And when I came back, they said, you're going to be MD. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and that was it. So I never actually found out really why. Um, but but then we went through the normal journey that you do with buyouts, with people coming and going and so on and so yeah. on. So I, but I'm, I'm kind of the last man standing of that four. Yeah, it was clearly it's worked out. It's been a great journey, yeah. Yeah, and and so do you think that's down to Huthwaite as an organisation and, and and what you guys do, or do you think that would have been the case in any other organisation? No, I think it's what we do. Okay. I think it's our. I think we we're in a very fortunate position because we get to practice every day what we teach other people to yeah. do, uh-huh. how to communicate, how to sell, how to negotiate, 
Um, and we do get a chance to walk the talk. And, yeah. and, and a lot of that is the communication that people have and um, their ability to handle difficult situations or their ability to handle a, a personal negotiation or, or, mm-hmm. or those kind of things where in a lot of organisations that's quite difficult for people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and in terms of your approach to leadership then, is there a, are there characteristics that you think will define great leaders? Is it case by case? Are, are there skills that every leader needs? I, I really think it's case by case. And, and I think um, it, it, COVID, COVID was a great example, really, because, and, and this is my, uh, my personal story rather than, but I'm sure it was happening in boardrooms all over the country. Okay. I, I came back actually from holiday from a ski trip and there were a few people on the, in February that year, and there were a few people wearing masks on the plane and we thought, well, this is a bit strange. And then people started cancelling their programmes with us. That, and um, that was probably mo- mainly international stock travel. And I went into the boardroom one day and said, we're going to have to take this seriously. And two weeks later, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. And we're, a, we're um, an events company, basically. We were yeah. a specialist events company. And so events companies just stopped. And I kind of put my head in my hands for 30 seconds. And then we went, well, we've got to do something. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and in many cases, and this is a, probably a bit more of a philosophy for myself, is in some cases, it doesn't matter what you do, just do something. Because yes. if you don't do anything, nothing changes. Uh-huh. At least if you, it's a little bit like an autopilot, at least if you do something and it's the wrong direction, you'll correct it. And yeah. then you'll keep correcting it. Um, and and with all credit to the team, um, like many organisations, it, it was all hands to the pump. And it was that, it was that, having to make that decision quickly and I, and I think that being a leader is about firstly about making decisions mm-hmm. then the actions that you carry out and then the way that you actually um, speak to people the way you communicate and interact with people they're, they're for me the three main areas really yeah and so it is I mean and I think I'd be interested when it's all finished to listen to other people's stories of COVID of what they actually did on that day when yes. when the world stopped for them basically yeah, yeah, it would be fascinating. I'm sure somebody's putting that together in the background. And if yeah. they're not, they should be. <laughs> and, and was there a piece of advice or an experience that shaped your approach to leadership then? The, the leader that you are, where does that come from? Is that trial and error or was there an influence in the past? I, I, I'd have to say a lot of it is trial and error. I, I, don't really, I don't really aspire to be like any other leader. I think I change. You know, I, cha- I change relative to the circumstance. I do like to read business books and some books on leadership. Um, I can, I think, take good bits out of most of them, yeah. um, but not all of most of them. If you see yes. what I mean. yeah, then, yeah. You those, then you put those things together and hopefully on a good day, you can you can walk the talk with what, what people are, are saying are the best way to, to, to do things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think leadership is, is like virtually anything, really. You, you learn it by doing it, reviewing it, and practicing it again and getting yeah. some feedback and then practice again and you know you learn the good bits and you know, hopefully you do more of the good bits and less of the poor bits with absolutely absolutely i always say being a leader it's almost like being a filter when you're taking in content so you read all the business books and you take a little bit from that one a little bit from that when you put your own spin on it i think you yeah and there's so many ways to do it these days you know with things mm-hmm. like linkist and short pods all those kind of yeah. things yeah. you know there's so many different ways that you can listen but you do have to filter it because mm-hmm. there's a there's an awful lot out there of people who just seem to have made it up on the go, I think. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, there are several of those. And so is there advice that you would offer to someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps? So either right at the start of their career and just wanting to get into leadership or about to take a step up into that leadership role. What advice would you share with someone in that position? Um, that's, a good, that's a good question, I think. I think uh, uh, you've got, you've, it very much depends on your style. And, and for me, uh, a leader isn't, I don't think the right style is directive. So I think you've got to take a, a strong look at your own personality If and, and, and other leaders, people that are leading you. Are you a good follower? Do you expect other people to be good followers of you? How would you make that happen? And, and wherever possible, have a bit of humility and get rid of the ego. Because yes. that's, that's the worst thing that you can do. And, and, and a lot of people do come to leadership through a journey through their own business and a lot move in because that's just what they do. Yeah. Um, and when you when you when you take my route, one of the hardest things to do is to stop doing the things that you used to be very good at. Yes. So so if you move up through a business as a manager, and then however whatever level of leadership you get to, at mm -hmm. some point you have to realise that if you were the best in that business at doing something, and you're still the best in that business at doing something, you're doing something wrong as a leader. Yeah. 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 You, know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be the best at what you used to do. There should be other people doing that. And you yeah. you need to be able to do what you do and, and get the best out of them. Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to what you said about the ego. You've got to check that at the door, haven't you? If you need to be the best at it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the ego is one thing, but as I say, one of the hardest things for me was letting go of let's say it was being a trainer, you know, mm -hmm. because I used to think I was a very good trainer. If I was the best trainer in the in the company now, we're definitely doing something wrong. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. gotta be people there better than I am. Yeah, absolutely. It's that whole sort of uh, what got you here won't get you there, isn't it? You have yeah. to adapt. As, yeah. as you climb, you've got to adapt yeah. every step. Yeah. Prepared to make mistakes. I know everybody says learn from your mistakes, but, mm. but when you do make them, hold your hands up, basically. And yeah. Change direction. Yeah. I think it's because your team are watching, aren't they? If you're sort of you know, glossing over that one and trying not to <laughs> not to draw attention to the mistakes, that's not yeah. it's not gonna land well, is it? And, and we talked previously about business books. So I'm always really interested to understand what CEOs and business leaders are reading or consuming, whether that's a podcast or whether it's a book or, like you say, an audio book. What's been influential for you in the past or what are you reading at the moment that you'd recommend? Um, well, as I said, I do, I do read quite a few. Um, I actually, I, I, it sounds very old-fashioned, but the old Dale Carnegie book about how to make friends and influence people is an extremely good book that then when you look at a lot of different um, books, they've, they've taken threads out of that. But yeah. in, in lots of main ways that, you know, we, we our main um, sales program is a program called Spin. Mm -hmm. And there are millions and millions of people who have read the, the, the Spin book who then mm -hmm. take little bits out of it. And you can see it appear in other books and, and, and things. But, but stripping it right by, there, there wasn't a lot, lot wrong with what Dale Carnegie was saying all those years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it's probably coming even more true now because it, it really was about how you interact with people and I think that, that was very important what I'm reading at the moment is, and it's, I've started reading it's actually just arrived this morning is a book by a friend of mine called um, George Pastidis and he's, and he's written um, he's, he's written a book I think it's called 90 Short Business Stories and, okay. it, and he's been doing a um, he's been doing a, a, a blog for well, a long time now and some and publishers asked him to pull all that together and put brilliant. it and put it into a book so i've just started reading that one so brilliant what kind of stories just sort of trials um, and tribulations they're, they're every day he, he would write a blog of some events that might have been happening that um 
that that week could might have been to do with negotiations or sales because that's the area is in sales enablement mm-hmm. um and it, or it could just be it could just be you picking things that are happening out in the world and and putting a, a business spin on them so that so that you are using those events to illustrate what happens in businesses which i always think is a really good way to to yeah. get the point across. that sounds interesting just give me the title again please tony 90 short business stories, I think, or something like that. I think I've just bought it from Amazon, so it's um, it, it, if you look on there, you can find it easily. Fantastic. I will take a look. Thank you, you for your tip. That was it. Brilliant. Okay. And and so can you tell us a little bit more about what's going to be happening over the next six, nine, 12 months of what you can share with us about Huthwakes? I know you've moved offices it's a couple of years ago now. Yeah, yeah. We, we, um, we used to have an office in a – well, it used to be our office, a very, a very large um, mansion house – in a place in South Yorkshire. Where mm-hmm. It was the Dower House, the largest stately home in England, that's um, mm-hmm. Wentworth Woodhouse. And we, we were, that was up for sale before COVID and then mm-hmm. it sold during COVID. So we moved out and now we've moved into some rented offices. Mm-hmm. The, the timing of the move couldn't have been better really um, because of with, with some downsizing and obviously people not coming into work every day, it was the right thing to do. Otherwise yeah. we sat there with us. 50 room mansion with with me in it i think <laughs> so yeah we moved office but the biggest the biggest move for us in the next um six to nine months is we're very much going back to our roots with the interpersonal skills so oh, yeah. our our mainstay for the last few years has been um mainly sales and negotiation um mm-hmm. development journeys for people and what, what seems to be big at the moment is, is the fact that people want better interpersonal skills, the way they interact with people. And as I said before, context-specific ones. So mm-hmm. there's general interaction, but there's, you know, how do you manage a meeting? How do you chair a meeting? How do you deal with difficult conversations? Yeah. All those things that we actually started our lives with back 40-odd years ago, which, and, and, and now there seems to be a big demand for that. But, of course, it's now we now don't deliver... Uh, as much in classrooms and and we use a lot more digital delivery and and where we used to do three-day training programs we now do six seven week learning journeys that's a mixture of digital virtual or classroom Um, and and the the biggest change I guess is now um, a lot of that learning happening in the workflow and being supported after Mm -hmm. an event although the event's only a part of the journey but yeah. supported by us or, or hopefully by people inside their businesses because because that's how you get the real changes when people yes. buy into it in a business yeah absolutely so the, we're very excited about the, the 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 new interpersonal skills programs that we're developing um in in those areas in leadership skills as well so we are developing in, in leadership skills as well fantastic and is, is that taking into account the sort of digital landscape so people, I've just started reading digital body language. I don't do that on every podcast. That was a bit fancy, wasn't it? But I've just started reading that and it makes some really interesting points about how digital body language and digital meetings are completely different to face-to-face meetings in a way that maybe I'd not reflected on because you just, like, like it, you at COVID, you just crack yeah, on. Yeah, it. it's interesting that. When we, when we go into COVID and we, we redeveloped all of our programmes to be virtual mm. programmes and it, and it was clear, you know, a lot of organisations suddenly took a, a two-day training course and put it online for two days which is a, a nightmare nobody wants to sit there watching watching somebody and we we knew that that wasn't going to be the way to work so so we were doing um uh, basically two-hour sessions and then split into hours yeah. which brings its own challenges but but we did develop something which was which was around working virtually 
it was mm-hmm. a specific program about how to behave on this type of um, this this type of a uh, uh, thing. Now, that's still been very successful, but I, I think most people now are developing how they do that. You know, if you're doing this day in and day out, then it is becoming norm the norm for people to do. Uh-huh. Now, it doesn't mean to say they get it right all the time, obviously. Yes. But, yeah. but 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 it is becoming the norm. So a lot of the issues that were around at the time are either now accepted, you know, because you can take your dog to the meeting sort of thing, yeah. or, 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 or people are learning not to do it. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're not concentrating on the virtual, how to behave virtually. It's, mm-hmm. it's how to behave, basically, and that will translate okay. into virtual, digital, and obviously um, person to person. Yeah, fantastic. I think the thing with the pandemic is it has, pardon the pun, but it has humanised everybody. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter that kids are screaming in the background. To, no. It doesn't matter to the, the guests. No, it's certainly, it, it, yeah. The, I mean, I, I get the, I'm not sure about digital body language, but I do get the idea that you need to behave differently quite often and you do need to, you still need to make your mind up how you're going to behave. You know, you yes. normally do a business meeting, you know, dressed in your pyjamas. So, yeah. you know, to, don't come to a virtual meeting dressed in your pajamas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that's the extreme, but you know, I, I, in the in the interview process uh, through COVID, where we were starting to employ people again, we were interviewing virtually, and I was shocked by the attitude of some people um, really? coming to virtual interviews. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, the informality of in, it. In the way, well, probably the digital body language one, in the way that they're dressed, in the way that they behaved. Uh, in what they've got going on in the background yeah. you know they're, they're not kind of choosing the importance of the meeting it's just mm-hmm. another meeting yeah uh, yeah, okay. and, and probably not even preparing for it very well either you know it's just let's turn up and press that zoom link and there we go yeah it's that it's that um distinction that she made that was interesting to me about the proximity so your face right now because we're on a zoom screen for obviously people are listening they can't see us your face is much closer now than it would be if we were sat yeah. in a meeting room, so that makes a, a difference in terms of the way that you communicate. I, I think it does, yeah. And and the eye contact. Yes. You, know, yes. You, you think you're making eye contact, so I think I'm looking at you, and I'm not. I'm probably looking somewhere else because the screen because yeah. the camera's up there. So yeah. so it's all that kind of. And I've and I've been trying for a long time to try and find a way to get a camera in the middle of the screen. Yes. Because that, that would be when you're using a big screen. When you're using a small laptop, it's not a problem. But when you're using yeah. a, a, a quite a big screen here, so yeah. you know, when it's 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 all those kind of things, really. Yes. Um, yeah. But but you know, people are accepting of the of the faults of it now, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so what what are the courses that are happening now? So you said it's interpersonal behaviour. Um, yeah. So so. Um, Maybe I'll give you an example. If you if you take a, a large organisation, and actually a good example might be a public sector organisation, okay. we've got lots of different departments. Mm-hmm. And and over the last few years, I think they've started to realise that the their inter their interactive skills of people is not as good as it should be. Okay. You know, there are people there are there are people not able to ask questions of other people, not able to test other people's understanding to get clarity they're not summarized there's all these kind of things and and some organizations would benefit from a, a let's say a, a sheet dip of that type of a, an interpersonal yeah. skills and then people uh-huh. will take away and use what they want and then and then there's a kind of a layering above that which is and where you've got more senior leaders or managers who might want to be able to really make their point in persuasion or again in negotiation or or just general interaction and appraisals leadership skills that kind of thing because the 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 leadership models that are out there they're great they give you a good framework 
but they're what tos. They're not how tos. Mm-hmm. So they don't okay. they don't kind of say you know. If somebody, I'll give you an example. Somebody says, well, well, um, uh, you need to get this person to trust you. Well, how do you do that? Or mm-hmm. show empathy. Okay. Well, well, how do you do that? You know, yeah, it's not. You know, yeah. whereas whereas good interpersonal skills with the right behaviours will will allow you to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can use certain behaviours that develop trust. Simple example, um, we use one called feelings commentary, where people talk about their feelings. And I don't mean like West Coast crying on the shoulder type thing. I just mean they'll say happy, sad, upset, disappointed, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and it has an amazing effect on the other party. Yeah, if you, I don't know, if if anybody out there has got kids and you tell your kids you're disappointed in them, see what the reaction is. Yeah. Because it, it has a far bigger reaction than just telling them off. Yes. Um, yeah. And and it's those kind of simple behaviours that everybody can use. But and what we get is people to look at the impact of them on other people, the impact of those behaviours on that person. Okay. Um, and then, as I say, make them context specific. So, uh, if you were chairing a meeting, for example, you'd use a lot of neutral behaviours. There'd be lots of questions. There'd be lots of procedural proposals. There'd be lots of yeah testing understanding so that everybody understood what was going on lots of summarizing and and so you can teach people those behaviors and how to how to manage a meeting in that respect Mm -hmm. the the soft stuff is the hard stuff absolutely for a lot of people isn't it and it's the most hardest thing to change yes yeah yeah hardest thing to change you know if if you want to change one thing ask people more questions Mm -hmm. but when you try and do it you'll soon realize it's very difficult to change to ask yeah. people lots of questions. Not for you, obviously, because you're used to it. <laughs> for most sure. people, it's difficult to ask a lot of questions when you're used to just telling people what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. And so, so that's out. That's out now, and you've got clients that are running those courses. That are, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and and we've got the models from from you know 40 years of research, but now yes. we're, we're revamping them into uh, a modern day approach and a modern day delivery mechanism. Um, and the other thing that's, that's exciting for us that we've changed, we'd started before COVID, but we've now changed completely, is every course that we do has, has a collaborative element to it. So, um, so, so prior, for example, using a platform, a digital platform, prior to coming on any learning journey, whenever that journey starts, everybody in that cohort will have an opportunity to uh, interact with the other people on that cohort and the trainer prior to just coming on to whatever the journey, wherever the journey starts yeah. and during and afterwards, you know, so, so the learning goes on and on and on with that cohort as long Brilliant. as they take, as long as they uh, take responsibility to, to do it. Yeah. So that collaborative learning journey is something that we've now adopted to all of our, um, all of our programs, including the face-to-face ones. Brilliant. And I think that that's, so I came on one of your spin courses, one of the open courses, hmm. A while ago now, maybe 2014, and that was yeah. one of one of the really positive points of that course was the networking. So the yeah. people that were on there, like-minded people that want, you know, it was yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. You know, the networking, but with a specific focus, really, and, mm. and internally to their own businesses as well yeah. as the open courses. Yeah, absolutely, fantastic. Well, I'm really pleased to hear that it's all going as well as it is. It's fantastic, yeah. and and thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Oh, thank you.